Hello everyone and welcome back to Press Box Thoughts. Once again, I'm your host, Ted Brennan. After a great episode last week, I'm excited to get back into the swing of things again. Today's episode will have some Miami content to start with and an interview with Miami women's basketball star Peyton Scott. Let's get into it. Starting off with some Miami content, the Miami hockey team improved to 6-20-2 with an impressive two-game sweep of the number 18 Omaha last weekend. Miami took the first game 5-4 after trailing 3-1 at one point with goals from Dylan Malton, Ryan Savage, Joe Cassetti, Derek Doshke, and Hampus Rydquist. In the second game, Miami won 4-2 with goals from P.J. Flesher, Chase Gresick, Ryan Savage, and Gresick again. The men's team will travel to Colorado College this week and then have a homestand against Minnesota Duluth and finish out their season at Western Michigan. The Miami men's basketball team had an impressive 94-78 win over Bowling Green on Saturday in a game where Day-Day Grant reached 1,000 career points, becoming the second player to do it this season for the men. Congratulations to Day-Day. Miami returned key starter Delonte Brown and bench player James Beck to the lineup after missing a combined 10 games with injury. Both returned with a bang and helped a Miami team in need of help down low. Makai Larry led the scoring with 24, while Grant finished with 19. Precious Ayah recorded a double-double with 10 points and 12 rebounds. The men played Ohio on Tuesday and faced Northern Illinois tomorrow. The Miami women's basketball team picked up a big win against Central Michigan on Saturday. Miami scored a season-high 90 points in a 90-77 win over the Chippewas. Four Miami starters scored in double digits. Peyton Scott scored 24 points while Ivy Wolf added 18 points and a career-high 8 rebounds. Eden Battle finished with 16 points and Katie Davidson had 12 of her own. A really impressive win for the women's team. They lost 94-61 on Monday to BGSU and play Eastern Michigan on Wednesday. They play Buffalo tomorrow. Before we get into the interview, a quick congratulations to the LA Rams for winning the Super Bowl and Super Bowl MVP Cooper Cup. It was a great game, and sorry to all the Bengals fans out there. It was a tough one to watch for you guys. All right, as promised, now it's time for the interview with Miami women's basketball star Peyton Scott. And Peyton, just take a moment to introduce yourself and just tell us what we need to know about you. Yeah, like you said, my name is Peyton Scott. I'm a junior guard on the women's basketball team, number 24. I'm a sports leadership and management major here at Miami, a general business minor. And, you know, that's, that's about all there is to me. All right. Just to get started, what made you want to come to Miami? What was it about the women's basketball program that made you feel like Miami was the right fit for you? Yeah, so I think coming in, I actually got recruited by an entirely different coaching staff. So um, it was kind of a unique experience for me. I found out, you know, kind of into my senior year that the head coach was leaving and then, you know, kind of uh, affected after that that the assistant coaches were leaving. They weren't coming back. So um, I actually got a call from David Saylor just saying, hey, like, we would still love to have you here, but just wanted to let you know, like, the coaches are leaving. And then I had uh, lunch, some of my family and Coach Now, Coach Hendricks and Coach John, um, and just love the chemistry, love the how easy it was to talk with them and just kind of, you know, that that uh, first meeting with us. So I was committed to Miami from the beginning. I love the campus. I love the, the education here that they offer. It's only an hour and a half from my home. Um, and I'm really big on, you know, my support system, being able to come and see me play and just having them watch me is a big deal. So just love the homey feeling. I come from a small town and I love that Miami was all in one place um, and just felt like home to me. Was that a really tough moment for you when the coaches left? Did you feel kind of like, I don't want to say backstab, but did you feel any sort of doubt coming to Miami uh, up until the point where you had lunch with Coach Hendricks? I wouldn't say there was a doubt. I think, you know, I, I understand it was a business. Yes, I was I was younger and I was less mature than I am now, but I understood it was a business and I understood that certain things take place in that. Coach Duffy had two 20-win seasons. 
Um, and I think it was it was pretty obvious that, you know, Miami was a, just a stop for her and a stepping stone. So um, did I think that she was going to leave before I got here? Probably not. But, no, I think throughout the entire process, I never told anyone that I was looking to transfer, that I was looking to go somewhere else. Um, I was pretty committed to, you know, I'll stay a year, and if I really don't like it that much, then, you know, we can we can look at other options. But it was that I'm an hour and a half from home, and, you know, my people are here, and that's what, what got me through. Nice. I'm, I mean, the team is sure happy to have you. It's been a pleasure to watch you so far. Um, I'm only a freshman, so... You know, I've seen a couple of games here and there, but it's been so fun to watch you so far. Can't wait to see well, what you do next. Thank you. Uh, so through some help from the Miami Athletic Department, specifically Dave Meyer, I learned that you started playing basketball in the third grade and you were put on a boys team. Yeah. According to sources, you dominated. How true are those reports? You know, <laughs> I was, I did uh, play with the boys. I had, uh, you know, a good family friend growing up. Um, one of my best friends was a guy and we just kind of always were doing something together, playing together and I don't know. I don't, I don't remember if we didn't have a girls team at that age or what it was, but I played for the boys team for a couple of years. And, you know, obviously you go to games and they're like, you know, what, what's a girl doing on your team? And, and my mom, it was so funny. She kept like the, the little scorebook at the table and she would hear the comments all the time. And, you know, she has a funny story of this kid who growing up eventually became friends from another team. And, uh, he made a comment about me being a girl, and uh, my mom heard him. And after the game, he he went by again, and was like, "Dang, like she can play," type thing. And my mom was just like, kind of laughed at him, was like, "Yeah, that's my daughter." Uh, so I mean, I like playing with the boys. I like playing up. I like you know the competition, the challenge of it. And I think uh, there's a toughness at that age, especially um, that playing on the boys team provided me that I don't think I would have got it uh, without playing with them. Shout out Dave Meyer for that one. The domination didn't just end in third grade. Throughout your high school career, you were incredible, amassing over 2,000 points, league player of the year in 17-18, three-time all-league selections, team MVP in your senior year, and the list goes on and on. I could be here for hours just naming the accomplishments. <laughs> but the biggest accomplishments had to be getting your jerseys retired in high school, both soccer and basketball. So walk us through that moment. What was that moment like for you? How did the school go about telling you their plans to retire your jerseys? And what were the emotions running through your mind during that moment? Yeah, so I was, again, come from a very small town, um, you know, family, friends type thing, uh, is in the athletic department, is our principal, is my head coach, like I'm neighbors with my head coach, so just kind of like family, friends, you know, it spreads, you know, when, when something said, it spreads, and I feel like um, my stepdad was pretty close with our AD at the time, and so there was just conversations between that back and forth, and you know, I left and came to Miami, and I probably got the call early December, late November. And I remember uh, just, I mean, feeling grateful, honestly. The numbers meant a lot to me, especially the soccer jersey. It was passed down from my sister, and my brother wore uh, number nine as well, and my cousin wore it, so it was just kind of passed down throughout the family. So I think from a, a soccer standpoint, uh, you know, I, I got the jersey retired with my name on it, but I feel like it was for, you know, my siblings, my brother, my older brother, my older sister, my older cousin that wore the jersey before me and, you know, set the set the standard that, um, you know, I could accomplish that feat for all of us. And then on the basketball side, I was about the only one in the family that, that ran with basketball. And so just, just grateful. Um, again, it was pretty surreal moment when, you know, my mom called to tell me that, you know, they were retiring not one but two of my jerseys. Um, and just, you know, grateful for 
what the town of Lynchburg has, has done for me and, you know, how much I could give back to them as well. Must have been an incredible moment. I personally will never have any of my jerseys retired. The number, Come on now, never say never. The number 30 will not be hanging <laughs> in my high school. Um, I mean, unless they count, you know, triple doubles as the amount of water's given out, bottles given out, things like that. <laughs> so coming off of that incredible hype, what was the transition like to college for you? You were named an all-Mac freshman, uh, but was there a bit of an adjustment period, or did you feel pretty seamless transitioning oh, into the college oh, game? Oh, yeah, the adjustment, uh, pace. I remember going back to the sub gym and, you know, Coach Swafford and Coach Hendricks and, and Jan and all of them were on me like pace, pace, pace. And I know I came in with a real cool casual jog. I know I had it. Um, and AAU and my head coach, uh, Dante Harlan, would get on me all the time. You know, you think you're running and then you just watch yourself and you're like, yeah, I'm coasting up the sideline. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was just, it was coming in just from, you know, a small town basketball. It's not you're not always getting the, the level of competition that you have in AAU every day. You're not always getting the pace that you're supposed to have. It's not always, you know, people holding you accountable and holding you to a standard because they're looking at you like, oh, my gosh, like we have this player in our town. Like, but it's not like that. But then you get here and you get checked and you're like, yeah, you're not that person anymore. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it, it was it was a it was definitely an adjustment. Uh, I honestly don't think I got uh, my pace together until Mac almost uh, took some through non-conference, took some bullying, took some, you know, physicality and just some some tough conversations to be like, if you, if you want to reach your potential, then, you know, got to got to figure some things out. But I would say that was the, the biggest adjustment and continues to be the biggest adjustment from high school to college. And you took another step into your sophomore year where you got even better. You were named to the All-Mac second team where you ranked top 10 in six different statistical categories. Would you say that being that well-rounded of a player is who you are as a player, or was it more converting on the opportunities presented on a game-to-game basis? Yeah, I think both of them. I think I pride myself on being a very tough scout, being someone that can score at all three levels, um, being someone that can play both sides of the ball. And I think it's also what our team needed at the time. You know, we lost uh, Lauren, we lost Savannah, we lost some some integral pieces that have played a part in the 20 win seasons. And so I knew uh, my job was to come in and step up and do what I needed to do. And I feel like as an upcoming leader on the team, it was to, you know, be a leader in every every category and set the standard. And, you know, that's what I needed to do. Um, and, you know, I took I took pride in that. But I think it's just taking more pride in being harder to scout. And if, you know, you can get good at playing both sides of the ball and you can contribute a lot, then, you know, it's it's hard to sit those players. So I just tried to do whatever I could on both sides of the ball to make sure I was um, in the game and, and making things happen. Speaking of your sophomore year, you had a game winner against Kent State. So I'll set the stage for the listeners, but it was a tie game with 10 seconds left. You almost turned the ball over, but were able to get a hold of it, and you call a timeout with 3.2 seconds left. Oof. What was Coach Hendricks saying in the huddle, and what were you thinking as you pulled up from behind the arc? Yeah, so funny story, some more background. The practice prior, we had actually been going over um, EOGs and the game scenarios, and so funny, coincidentally, we put up on the on the clock. We put up three seconds, and we were running it down, and we she drew up a play, and us five came out, we ran the play, and we got the shot off, and there was still like 1.4 or something like that left on the clock. And so they kind of took a break, and they were like, y'all, like three seconds is a lot of time. So we literally stood there, and they ran the clock down from three seconds, and we sat there. We were like, wow, like this is a lot of time. 
So it was it was pretty crazy that, you know, we got I got the ball back and we called a timeout with 3.2 seconds. So we were in the huddle just kind of like we knew it was enough time to do what we needed to do. And coach drew up a great play. And luckily I hit the shot and it's history from there. As for this season, you recently scored your 1,000th career point for Miami, which is which deserves a huge congratulations. So thank first you, off, congratulations you. on that. And did you know you were close coming up to that milestone on the December 4th game? And how did it feel to walk out of that game with a win that day? I didn't know. I was close. <laughs> I did not know until uh, actually that game. So my family comes to just about every single home game. And that specific game, none of my family could make it. They was out of town for this and they was out of town for that. And they had to be, it was my little cousin's birthday and, you know, Christmas parties for work and my sister was out of town and so no one was supposed to be at the game and I think we were coming back from Loyola Chicago and my mom or stepdad texted me they're driving back they came to that game and they were like hey we're canceling our plans we're gonna be at the game on um the the upcoming game I was like no like it's really okay like it's not that big of a deal like y'all make so many sacrifices already like go to your party have your fun it's really okay and they were like, no, like, we have to be there. You're only so-and-so points away from your thousand. And I was like, oh, like, <laughs> I, I had no idea until they told me. So it was it was cool that, you know, they, again, support me so much. And it just shows you how much, you know, parents are willing to sacrifice to be there for you. So it was, it was a pretty cool moment. And, again, just for my mom and them to be there uh, meant a lot to me. Sounds like just an amazing story. Yeah. So. Before we wrap up, I want to end with some rapid-fire questions. I'm going to try to implement this with uh, some more interviews as well um, about you and the team, and I just want you to say, you know, whoever or whatever comes to mind first. So you ready? All right, let's go. All right, favorite shoes to hoop in? Low tops. Signature celebration? Probably the flex. Favorite team to watch growing up? Cavaliers. Best sports movie of all time? Remember the Titans. Best dressed teammate? Me, come on. Funniest teammate? <laughs> Claire Chambers. Favorite team to play against? BG. Best arena plan? Toledo. Hardest team to beat? Buffalo. Other than your parents, who has had the biggest influence in your life? My grandparents. What player do you model yourself after? Sabrina Inescu. Last one. What's one thing that people may or may not know about you? I like to golf. Interesting. What's your favorite course? I play Houston Woods a lot. Right. <laughs> nice. That's all the time we have for today. So I'd like to extend a huge thank you to Peyton for taking the time out of her busy schedule, especially considering you're still in season and uh, coming down to be interviewed. So thank you so much and good luck with the rest of your season. Of course. Thank you so much. This episode of Pressbox Thoughts was produced and edited by Ted Brennan and Sarah Grace Hayes with supervising production by our editor-in-chief, Tim Carlin. Our music is by Sam Tarabellini. That's all for Pressbox Thoughts. Tune into our next episode out on the Miami Student SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google Podcasts in two weeks.